it's this, I think it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen, and you don't cover it. Because you want to talk about... Well, because it can't be verified. You want to talk I'm about insignificant you. things. I'm telling you. Of course it can be verified. Excuse we, me. We they found the laptop. Leslie, Leslie. What can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Because Even the family hasn't... The family on the laptop, he's gone into hiding. For five days, he's gone into hiding. He's preparing for your debate. Oh, it's taken him five days to prepare? I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay, All right. go ahead. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth. Or we'll sentence them to take the last... Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. And look, we all understand that you rely on the Ruthless Variety program for some laughs, for some good times, and for some good information. Some candy. Today, we're going to give you some news. Some big news. Big news. Yeah. And it's not about us. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually breaking news uh, because, believe it or not, we can figure out how to report some things uh, from time to time. And I'm excited to get into it. It's about the Hunter Biden laptop and a bunch of news that happened yesterday that the Washington Post and others have ultimately confirmed what we all knew back in October of 2020, Mm -hmm. that the Hunter Biden laptop was, in fact, authentic the emails were, in fact, authentic. The The media ban on its contents, the social media ban on its contents, were entirely unjustified. But we've got more news on that. And there, this is stuff that nobody else has reported that we've dug into and we've got it and, and you're going to love it. We'll get to it in a second. Let's start off with the fact that we have a guest. Yes. Uh, Mike Gibbons, Ohio Senate. Um, we've listen. I feel like we've interviewed ten thousand people in the Ohio Senate race, haven't we, fellas? It's like everybody in the phone book is running for Senate. Yeah, they are, but they're all kind of in it. And this guy's currently leading it. Um, Mike Gibbons, a businessman from Ohio, he had the uh, the the seat today on Ruthless, and we talked through a number of things, got to know him a little bit. I really think you're going to enjoy the interview because it's, you know, like everything we do on Ruthless, a little bit more about the guy than it is about, like, the gotcha questions the media try to filter. So, look, look can, I, can I just say, as somebody from Ohio, can I just say what I think makes Mike Gibbons unique in this field is that he played uh, high school football at St. Ignatius. And the program at St. Ignatius is a storied program nationally, but certainly in A couple Ohio. of national titles. Yeah. Yeah, so so this guy knows how to fight. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting thing. He gets into all of that and his family's history with football and everything else. You're really going to enjoy that interview. Uh, also, you know, look, Smug, what's the Hack Madness update here? Well, uh, as everyone knows, Hack Madness is when we put up 65 uh, media hacks because there's a playing game. It's like March Madness. You know, they go head-to-head. The people vote on Twitter, uh, you know, straight up head-to-head. And we are, as you're hearing this, we're currently having voting open for the Elite Eight. 
Um, and it's really coming down to it. Like it's only powerhouses basically. Yes. I'll just, I'll just run through the, the quick matches. So this is for the fake news division. You've got Brian Stelter versus Bill Crystal. Uh, in the establishment division, you've got Matt Dowd versus Rick Wilson. In the liberal activist division, you've got Jennifer Rubin versus Joy Behar. And in the way too online division, you've got Joy Ann Reed versus, uh, Ibram Kendi. So, wow. I mean, wow. it's, you know, lots of, lots of talent, just there. powerhouses. So, so when does that go live? The voting at, uh, is happening right now. Uh, and around 3 PM of the Thursday that you're hearing this, you know, voting will end. So we'll have our final four. We'll have our final four. Oh, hell yeah. Be- Behar has had quite the run. Really oh, yeah. something else. But, but now running into Ruben. Yeah. Oh, it's a tough, it's a it's tough, a tough draw. Tough draw. Tough draw. You hate to get that bracket. Yeah. <laughs> If you get the potato or the queen, you know you got trouble. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, should we read a couple of five stars, fellas? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, would you like to start? Uh, sure thing here. Uh, title is Best Show, especially for those in D.C. Just a note to thank the fellows for their twice weekly masterpieces bringing needed levity. Aside from college, being in the area my whole life and am third generation in this racket, have always been told those who do it best here don't take themselves too seriously. Y'all are proof. Plus, now I can bring nicknames to government affairs strategy meetings. Sheldon's raised some eyebrows. Take care. <laughs> Outstanding. I think she's referring to uh, White Club. Yeah, Sheldon White, White Club. Club. Yeah. Sheldon White Club. Uh, Smug, you want the you want the Foldy? Absolutely. So the title is Foldy is Peak Journo Performance. <laughs> I agree. Love the show. Listener from, oh, this is from Northwest Georgia fan. Uh, love the show, listener from day one, and haven't missed an episode. Some of the best have had Foldy in the studio, and today was pure fire. Thank you for exposing lib Congress members wasting taxpayer funds again, this time by working remotely to avoid, quote, germs. Unbelievable. Keep up the great work, everyone, and get Hollywood Hen back on soon. Amen. You guys own. The games are great, and I can't wait for the next live broadcast. Oh, I so love much. it. Us too. Us too. The last one, uh, this is from... Marcy Watts, entitled Own the Libs, you had me at the tagline. There you go. It's the mission statement. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. All right. So, look, I think we're going to get right into it. There's a lot of news out there, right? And there's a lot of things that get lost in the shuffle. And it's our goal here on the Ruthless Variety Program to try to cut through that bullshit, frankly, and tell you what matters and why. And there was a story today in the Washington Post that was entitled Inside Hunter Biden's Multi-Million Dollar Deals with Chinese Energy Company. The subheader is a Washington Post review confirms key details and offers new documentation of Biden family interactions with Chinese executives. Interesting, Hmm. right? Because you got to think at some level, when I first read it, I was like, the Post... The Washington Post is getting into this. Well, and it, you know, the intro we played today on the program was Leslie Stahl in 60 Minutes with Donald Trump saying the Hunter Biden laptop can't be verified. Cannot be verified. Can't be verified. Right. Not we're trying to verify it. Can't be verified. Well, turns out it can be verified. Well, it turns out it can be verified. And Smash, you, you had an important point that Trump was kind of left on his own here. At the, at the end of his campaign to carry this oppo himself. Well, I think, I, I mean, it's not insignificant that there he is by himself with Leslie Stahl saying, look, this is true. This is something that's real. And 
you know, I think what we've learned uh, clearly is that it is real. And um, we now have sources who say they were asking for this information and it wasn't provided. And let me just preface this by saying that we all have, you know, I'm speaking directly to our audience here who is naturally and rightly skeptical of the mainstream media and their political leanings. The reality is with the mainstream media, they do lean left. However, there are reporters at every one of these major publications who are more interested in news than they are in ideology. And I, I think that we have learned this over, over the course of many, many cycles in politics. And what we're, gonna, what we're about to learn again is that the interest was there, but the, but the willingness on behalf of some... Malpractice, uh, I think uh, I would mal- say. Uh, that's, malpractice, that's I think I'd say. But we'll get into that in a second. Let me start with the story. This is the lead of the story. The deal was years in the making. The culmination of forging contacts, hosting dinners, of flights to and from China. But on August 2, 2017, signatures were quickly affixed, one from Hunter Biden, the other from a Chinese executive named Gong Wandong. Within days, a new Cafe Bank account was created, and within a week, millions of dollars started to change hands. Right? Jeez. So just to back up to give everybody context of what we're talking about, in October of 2020, the New York Post revealed that a Hunter Biden laptop had been dropped off at a vendor, a local vendor where he lives. Yeah, a computer repair shop. Computer repair shop. For what reason? Like, I mean, this guy was on crack, so I don't Literally crack. So I, I don't know. But it was it was left there. Yeah. Right. And in it included a bunch of personal information that we've now been, thanks to the conservative media, been privy to. Right. Everything from absolute depravity with his own sort of sexual videos and whatever to his business dealings. Yeah. Which started to unfold in the in, in the New York Post. Right, right. But it was just the New York Post, and it was dismissed by the rest of the mainstream media as unverifiable conjecture. Remember, you know, all this stuff about 10% for the big guy, Mm -hmm. uh, alluding to Joe Biden himself, and all of this stuff, this corruption in the Biden family was just sort of pushed aside because everyone said, well, we can't verify We it. can't verify it. And furthermore, it was compounded by the fact that you had all kinds of intelligence, as we've talked about right. before on the program, all these intelligence operatives who signed these letters saying, this has all the hallmarks. Oh, the hallmarks of, Rus- the hallmarks Russian, disinformation. of the, Russian disinformation. These are these those clowns who are just trying to get book deals. Yeah, Clapper, and, Brennan. And, and CNN contribu- contributor contracts. Yeah, so as you, as you recall... The, the story was published on October 14th, 2020. Just remember this. The this New York important. Post story, yeah. October 14, 2020. It is entitled Biden Secret Emails. And it is a splash page. The picture features Joe Biden and Hunter Biden standing side by side. The subheader is revealed. Ukrainian exec thanked Hunter Biden for the, quote, opportunity to meet veep dad right so so this story gets published and basically what they allege 
based on all of this is what you just said. The the uh, laptop. I'll just quote from the actual original story. Uh, Hunter Hunter's laptop email suggesting Daddy would benefit from a deal with a state-connected Chinese firm. The share breakdown included quote ten held by H for the big guy unquote, which Hunter's ex-partner Tony Bobolinsky confirmed. Right. So if you recall in that time period, remember this guy Tony Bobolinsky who had this hilarious name, and of course the press had a had a field day. With like, who the hell is Tony Bobolinsky and why is he showing up for this October surprise and like trying to discredit him? Right. Well, it turns out everything that this guy said was absolutely true. Right. Hunter Biden was selling access to his father and then taking money from foreign nationals. And I mean, according to these documents, holding some of that money for his father, the current president of the United States. That's that's exactly right. And so what what happened immediately was all other remember Maggie Haberman tweeted it out and I think her account was like suspended or at least the people who retweeted her account was suspended and all of a sudden Twitter had this like bizarre reaction where it would not allow the dissemination of this story yeah it was being completely throttled you could post it and like one person would like it yeah right? but like it wouldn't go anywhere but it wouldn't go anywhere. And, and and on a personal level, I remember there were all these crazy photos that came out of Hunter Biden uh, in, in various horrible situations. And in one of them, on the bed, there were like these like random stuffed animals that I thought was fucking hilarious. And I just like zoomed in and took a screenshot of just like a soul stuffed animal sitting on the, uh, on the bed. Because you're into the furry and, aspect. Well, I tweeted out and I was like, what the hell? And then... My account instantly gets locked. They locked you too? They locked my account and they said, uh, I got the message that like, you have to delete this tweet, the one of the stu- uh, stuffed animal. In order like, to get in, your account back? In order back? to uh, begin, you know, your 24 hour suspension. Oh, It's insane. Man. man. Well, so anyway, you get the, you get the impression that there was some high level stuff going on here, right? It's suppression. There is suppression going on there. And let's let's just all assume what we've talked about for now two years on this program, that the mainstream corporate media is out to get you. They don't have your best interest in heart. Accurate. Accurate. The the tech companies are looking for any possible reason to throttle conservative content. Accurate. Accurate. I mean, I'm told that's part of the reason why Jack left Twitter is because he was like, it's absurd the like push to censor us and he just didn't want anything to do with it yeah well it's so it's it's become a it's become a thing right so let me let me go back to the story of the washington post what's what's the date we're talking about here just to be clear well the date the date of the original story was october 14 2020 right well we've now learned that and, and these are details that you need to be aware of is that it's not just a hunter biden crack addict situation right it didn't actually, as Tony Bobolinsky said at the time, it involved the family. Like real corruption within the Biden family, not just Hunter Biden. It involved the family. So in this Washington Post story, I'm just going to quote directly from it. A few weeks after he went into business with the CEFC executives, that's the Chinese business dealings that we're talking about. In the fall of 2017, Hunter Biden requested changes to the fifth floor office space that he was renting with the House of Sweden, an airy building in Georgetown that is home to the Swedish embassy and other offices. 
in, on September 21 of 2017, Hunter Biden wrote the building manager requesting new office signage to reflect a new family enterprise and a new business relationship. That's a direct quote from this story. I'm directly quoting from this a story. A family enterprise. Here's what the email said. Quote, the Biden Foundation and Hudson West, parentheses, CEFC-US, he wrote. The Biden family literally going into business with these foreign nationals. Wait till you hear the next paragraph. Oh, boy. He also requested keys for his new office mates. His father, Joe. <laughs> wow. His mother, Jill. Unbelievable. His uncle, James. And the Chinese executive, Gan Wandong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's uh, a hell of a lineup. It's just unbelievable. unbelievable. Dr. Jill, by Doctor, the way. Doctor, please. You know, it turns out, so, so when Joe Biden decided he wasn't going to run for president in 2016, I mean, this is just conjecture. I have no proof of this. But maybe it was because he was lining up a lot of fat contracts to feather his own nest using his son as the front man. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's the reason why he didn't want to run for president, because Hillary Clinton probably knew all this shit. And that's the thing is like Hillary's camp would not be shy about. Oh, yeah, dude. They would have no pushed way. this out. It would have been the front been page. <laughs> we, we, yeah. all, we all know what they pushed on Obama. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's exactly the birth certificate. Birth certificate. Yeah. No, I mean, so anyway. The fact of the matter is, is that all of this was available on the laptop and very verifiable at the time. Yes. This there, is October 14th. October 14th. We've since come to find out that the possessors of this, it's been widely reported, was Rudy Giuliani and Associates and Steve Bannon. Yeah. And Associates. And... I was told off the record many times as I was bitching to reporters in the October of 2020 about how the hell you can't report this. Like, how in the world is right. this happening? Right. I was told off the record by tons of reporters that, like, look, these guys have lied about 8,000 things under the sun, and we can't report anything that we don't have access. And I thought it was complete bullshit, right? I, I was like, whatever. These guys are just trying to, they're trying to throttle the information because they know what evidently Bannon, Giuliani, or the Trump campaign didn't know, which was that social media companies at that point in time, at the end of the 2020 election, had adopted a policy where if fact checkers rated something false or inconclusive or whatever... Couldn't verify. If they couldn't verify it, that they would throttle the content. Right. At best. At worst, they would ban it altogether. Yeah. Now, that's a shit policy. Shit. It is. And every listener to this show knows that the fact checkers lean left. But that's what it was at the time. It was well stated. Everybody in campaigns knew it. It's one of the reasons why if you were running an effective campaign, the first thing you did with an ad was run to the fact checker first to try to understand what what constituted this sort of like false fact check because you needed these things to go through social media because that's the way people are consuming information. Nobody's reading the fucking Washington Post or whatever. Like our voters are reading, you know, they're getting their information. Right. If, they're, on, if they're reading it, they're reading it on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, but evidently that didn't occur to these guys. What the Ruthless Variety program has come into possession of this is the very important part if you're half listening to this because you're shopping 
getting groceries or something. This is the important part to pay attention. This is really, this is like it shocked me. It, it, it shocked me. Was that on October 14, the same day as the New York Post reported that story. Yeah, in 2020. In 2020. The, the Washington Post, a reporter, a, a reporter at the Washington Post reached out directly to Bannon and Associates about asking whether or not they could sit for a review of this hard drive in order to verify its contents so they could report on it. This is the same day the New York, the New York Post put out the story. Yes. So, so the Washington Post is trying to verify it, basically. What they're trying to do, evidently, because remember, right away, this became huge consternation. You had Biden. I don't know if we have audio of Biden. Do we have audio of Biden talking about uh, what it was? We have four days left, and all of a sudden, there's a laptop. There's overwhelming evidence that from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. Fifty former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. So, so the the administer, or well, then the campaign, the Biden campaign, had immediately flipped into overdrive to try to activate all of its surrogates, right, to discredit this laptop theory when they knew goddamn good and well that this was Hunter Biden's yep. laptop, and he knew goddamn good and well that these business dealings that there were being reported in the New York Post involved him. Right, I mean, the guy had the keys to the building. Literally the keys to the building. I mean, literally, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, right? I mean, and we're not leaping to anything. It's in the Washington Post now. It's like that that's there. We, we now know that. But can I make a point here on the timing of this, which I think is so important for everybody to understand? The date that you just mentioned, that the Washington Post reached out and asked to be able to review the laptop is October 14th. October 14th. The date on the letter of the 50 Dem-leaning uh, intelligence officials, October 18th. So there were four days that transpired when the Biden administration, or the Biden people, were reaching out to these security experts. Right, right, to push back. To say, hey, please sign this letter, please sign this letter. And you know what could have happened in the intervening time? The Washington Post could have been given the information, and they could have written the story, and that every single one of, or maybe maybe 40, 45 of the 50, wouldn't have signed the letter. So the Washington Post sends that email. So they send that email on the 14th. No response. No response. And the email is basically like, we're, look, we're interested in this laptop. If I can come and review it, if we can forensically review it, I'm not going to take it, and I'm not interested in, in doing anything with it. I just want to look at it. And make sure that our people can verify it so it's safe to report. Which, you know, look, that's on if you're a journalist, that's you have to have You have to see it to be able to write it. You have to you have if you're not gonna give give them the material, you have to actually review it yeah. in some form or fashion. No response. No response. The follow up was done on October twenty, six days later. Hey, Basically, I'm going to characterize this, but uh, we never heard back from you. We still have high interest in reviewing the material and reporting the story. Can you provide us something? Nothing. Here's the other thing that really sticks out to me on this that just really pisses me off 
is that the New York Post is standing out there like the lonesome fucking polecat. They are taking shit from all sides. They got banned. They got banned from. It got banned from every and, and unjustly so. They shouldn't have been banned for reporting on on verifiable information. But in reality, somebody should have been looking out for them too. I mean, isn't there a way to like? Why can't you? Here, here's the thing: if you have information that you want everybody to see, show them. Show them. You know, That's what everybody. I don't get, like, why would you not like press release style? Well, I send think, this to every publication well, in the country. Smug. I I think, I think like Bannon and Rudy, their strategy here was they thought it would get more coverage if people didn't cover it, and that sounds counterintuitive. But what they wanted to do was complain that people weren't trying to verify it. Instead, they shot themselves in the fucking foot. Yeah, and the result is the president of the United States is standing He's out, out there, there alone. talking to Leslie Stahl on his own. Right. Arguing for this information. Right. And the she- New York Post, on their own, verifying this information. It is an absolute outrage that they didn't share with anybody else. And it probably meant the difference in the election. So, right. And I'm told that they, ultimately... That's the thing is, they screwed Trump with this. They, Trump screwed, they screwed. screwed Trump. Screwed him. And ultimately, I'm told, the response that this journalist got back was, they'll let you see it on November 4th. After the, ele- <laughs> after the election. Are you kidding? After the yeah. election. They said after the election? After the election. They after were the election. saying that they'll only... Give them the info after the election. After the election. After the election. So let's rewind and why that's significant. What happened in the interim is because it was unverifiable in many ways, there was a fact check that was done by the Washington Post. There was a fact check that was done by the New York Times. Everybody everybody fact checked it, which ultimately led to the justification for all the social media companies to throttle the information. Right? Right. So those of you who are listening to the Ruthless Variety program, you're into this stuff and you've, you've probably known this all along. But I would say 90% of the people that you are working with, that your neighbors, they didn't know shit about the Hunter laptop at all because the information was entirely throttled. The problem ultimately is it was entirely fucking avoidable. They just chose to try to have an issue rather than provide the contents of the laptop to somebody who was genuinely interested, who would have made front page news and ultimately affected this outcome of the election. So, so that reply email, who was it? Was it Rudy's camp, Bannon's camp that said, we will give this only after. So they had the, they had the hard drive, they had the laptop, and they were only willing to give it over after election day. Who was that? I'm, I'm told that that was a phone call. And I'm not at liberty to... to to divulge exactly who said that, but I'm told it was a, it was a phone call back to the post that said we'll provide it for you on November fourth. It's stunning because we've covered the Hunter Biden laptop story on the Variety program. I mean, many, many times since we've day ta- one. Yeah, we've talked about this stuff from day one. You know, the suppression on social media, the media refusing to cover it. But like what I'm hearing in those emails is the same dipshits who fucked everything up after the election for Donald yes. Trump are now responsible for make, making them sure this information wasn't out there in the bloodstream of the electorate before the election, this is, ba- basically. Is, no, it's the exact same thing. Like, look, everyone in this country understands in, in various states there are election irregularities. 
There were rules that were changed within 90 days of an election that enabled ballot harvesting and universal enrollment and mail-in balloting, all the crazy shit that Democrats were able to do in Democratic-run states to, to gain advantage in this election. None of these assholes did anything about it before or during, but afterwards, they rolled out with, with drunken Michiganders to try to try to like provide testimony that the rest of the country laughed at and summarily like made our point, the point that we need to make as a Republican Party about the the integrity of elections impossible. Right. Because of the how uncredible. And they did the same thing with Hunter Biden's laptop. And they did the That's same inc- incredible thing with the laptop. It's, incre- it's incredible that the Washington Post was trying to verify this. And instead, somebody had to put up a fact check saying this is unverifiable or whatever. And then social media throttles it. And then, you know, Donald Trump loses the election. It's un- it, 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 like- it, 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 it is like slap dickery Here, I've never seen before. Here's, here's what I, I do not understand. Let's rewind to October the 14th. You have this, you have this laptop in your possession. The New York Post has written a story. You know, explosive, you, game-changing story. You know what's on it. Why is your posture not everyone who has ears, let them hear? Why would you not just do it on your... Why wouldn't you tweet it? Tweet, tweet, the, tweet the details. Why I, wouldn't you hand it to every reporter who's interested? I think, going back to what I was saying earlier, is like I really feel like they thought their best strategy was if the, if the rest of the media doesn't cover it, it's somehow going to be better for us, right? To be is it fighting that, against the media. Is it that, or is it like Bannon just focused on his own fucking like pardon? Right. Like I don't. I, I just don't know. Like because if I'm working to try to get somebody elected, I'm burning the oil. Right. Twenty four hours a day to try to make sure that I have buttoned up every single possible contingency. That I could possibly have. And when I have game changing information like this, and Ashbrook knows this better than anybody, you run as fast and as hard as you can until that story breaks through. Because winning is what matters. Because the winning cause, is what matters. The cause is what matters. Yes. Not yourself. Dude, this the is, cause this, is more important than this one This would have person. made the difference. If, if, if October 14th, if, if you take that hard drive and you send it, the copies out to every publication, you know, go authenticate it. Do whatever you want. October fourteenth, you've got over two weeks to inject that into the bloodstream of the public conversation. I mean, what was it? When when, when did uh when, the FBI reopen their uh, oh, investigation like to Hillary? Right. That was the five days. That was five days right. before, and, and, and that ended it. And that email you're talking about, Holmes, the Washington Post reporter was willing to go there to see it. He wanted to get on a train and go see it personally, and would do it that afternoon if he got a response. Right. And so, look, I understand for those of you who are listening to this who would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Washington Post reporter would whitewash the information. They would play it down. They would try to pretend they would they would do everything that was more beneficial to the Biden case than anything else. All that may be true. Sure. Send it, that, send it to Fox. All that send may it be to true. Newsmax. Send it to like, but, I but would, let me I would but let me just tell everybody. you. But let me just tell you the one thing they couldn't do is say it's Russian disinformation. Yeah. The one thing they couldn't do is fact check it false. Right. And therefore, the one thing that couldn't happen was for it to get throttled on social media 
and for nobody to be able to cover it on the mainstream news. That's exactly right. The, the, the New York Times Post, the New York Times story shitting on the New York Post, a newspaper that Alexander Hamilton himself started. That's right. That was on October the 19th, written about the letter from these 50 intelligence officials that they published on October the 18th. Four days after people were begging to see this information and write it for themselves. I mean, it's just so, I mean, look, you've heard us talk for hours about the contemptible nature of the intelligence professionals who signed that letter, which was completely false and they knew it. Biden let him do it. And in, in fact, the Biden campaign put him up to it. Yep. Yeah. Right. And they knew it was they true. They walked him out. They knew it was true. This is this is a scandal that is unbelievable. If you put this together with Russiagate, I mean, guys, this is this is scary. Dude, Trump got screwed so hard. He Trump got screwed. got screwed. He not only did he get screwed, he was out there by right. he, himself. He, the left thing is perfect. He was like, of course it's verifiable. Trying right. it, yeah. He, he had to make he had to make the pitch. Why is he making the pitch? Exactly. And Bannon's not making the pitch. Why is Rudy not making the pitch? He's running Bannon, a billion dollar campaign, and the president himself is the one that right. has to go out on sixty minutes and make hope the case because these assholes can't walk right. the guy down to the street. <laughs> they didn't even reply to the email. There shouldn't there shouldn't there shouldn't be anyone making any pitch. You release that to everybody. It's out there. That's it. Right. It speaks for itself. It speaks for itself. And now we know what we should have known. I mean, here's the thing is like uh, when WikiLeaks dropped that info so everyone could see it, what happened? Everyone was like, she is corrupt as hell. Yeah. You drop info, you get it in front of eyeballs, you let people see the truth, and the people make up their minds. And the people were not allowed to see the truth, and it's completely completely ridiculous that they would not let that information get out. Why did, Why did, would they withhold it? Well, so it's, yeah, so what's different about what we're reporting here than everything you've seen today is it the grand conspiracy against you is real. That's very real. Yeah, it's the real. media and the Dems are working real. lockstep to destroy but us all. in order to execute the grand strategy, you have to have either complicitness or incompetence. I'm not sure which one we've got here, but we've got one of the two. Well, yeah. I, think, I think, you know, we have to... Look, if the characterization of this is something that Steve Bannon disputes or Rudy Giuliani disputes, you can come on the show and say it's something else. Yeah, come talk to us about it. If there's if there's emails that you think that that exonerate you from this, let's talk about it. But honestly, this, this is looks shit. It, shit. It, it doesn't look good. This looks unbelievable. I mean, we were all working our ass off to try to help this guy win. Yeah, and 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 he was on his own. He was on his own. He ultimately got beat by an eyelash in large part because information like this never made its its way to the light of day and it was in his supporters own capacity to change that dynamic it's wild just wild it's wild you don't, you don't hide that sort of information under a bushel no you really don't you really don't all right so we should should we hit one more piece of news here uh you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like how you can lighten the load here a little bit because, you know, frankly, yeah, it's not good out there. I mean, inflation isn't good. Nothing's good. I don't know if you good. guys have seen this seen this report from Bloomberg, but Bloomberg reported uh this week that Biden's inflation will mean that the average US household has to spend an extra 5200 this year 
compared to last year. That's Can you unreal. believe that number? That is That's unreal. That's tax oh my God. that people are paying thanks to Joe Biden. I think the biggest tax cut we've ever had in American history gave Americans $2,400 on average. And now Joe Biden's That's taken double in the other direction. Yeah, right. In the other direction. It's That's unbelievable. Uh, one thing I wanted to hit. Did you guys see this story about this flamingo? Oh. <laughs> I did not. I, I don't, oh man, I, I'm, I'm going to be stunned, aren't I? What are the details here? Well, so there's a. This is according to Yahoo News. There's a flamingo that escaped the Kansas Zoo in 2005. Okay, so a long time ago, 17 years ago, it was spotted in Texas. I didn't even know flamingos lived wow. that long. I didn't either. But that's quite the range. One of the two uh, flamingos that escaped from a Kansas zoo during a storm 17 years ago has been spotted on the coast of Texas, wildlife officials said. Uh, the Coastal Fisheries Division of Texas Parks and Wildlife confirmed Tuesday to the Associated Press that the African flamingo, known as 492, apparently that's what it's on this leg it, band. They didn't even name it. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, what a bunch I mean, that, of bastards. That, that's like how, you know, they strip your identity in prison. They just give you a number. <laughs> this 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 flamingo figured it out. That's it's, what the libs want to do to the rest of us. Yeah. The flamingo's like, I'm ungovernable. You're, you're never going to keep me trapped. Dude, dude. He, I mean, what the, a hero, he this just flamingo. Hit the, he hit the coast of Texas. He was like, I'm not doing that. By it's instinct. Whole, yeah. No, but he didn't, it didn't have Garmin. It didn't have Waze. No, I, it I, knew I, exactly where to I go. I got to get south, brother. I'm here by, I am hereby naming this flamingo Andy Dufresne. <laughs> Straight up. Straight up. 492. Crawled through, here a, out. crawled through a river of shit and came out clean on the other side. And, and, and then he went to the beach. And then he went to the beach. <laughs> so 492, this is this is great. This is now Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. So Andy has been spotted several times in Wisconsin. No. Wow. Louisiana and Texas. And it sometimes flies with other flamingos. That's you know, not, some birds are too pretty. What was it? Fellas, like? some birds aren't meant to be caged. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's the full Shawshank. It's incredible. Their feathers are just too bright. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy made it out. The good, the good news I is... I mean, I just did, I had no idea that flamingos had that kind of range. It's incredible. No. Wisconsin, no. Louisiana, Texas. I mean, this this is a jet setting flamingo. He can gets you out there? Can you imagine sitting in Lake Wabasaki and all of a sudden you it's see a flamingo <laughs> sit next to you with, with one leg arched and the coconut minnows? Andy Dufresne <laughs> headed for the Pacific. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, all right, fellas. Well, let's get to this interview because this guy, I think you're going to find. You know, there's a lot of candidates that make big national news. This is one that's sort of, he's flown under the radar, but he's leading the Ohio Senate race. So you've really got to pay attention to this. This is Mike Gibbons. I want to welcome to the program a very interesting guy who is running for Senate in a state that we absolutely have to have if we we're going to get the majority back in 2022, the great state of Ohio. Mike Gibbons, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Hey, listen, uh, I know there's a lot of crazy primaries across the country, but you yourself have found <laughs> found your way into uh, one of the most fun ones that we've seen in a long time. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't even know how. It's, so, look, um, it's clearly a, a, an open race. Polls have shown lately that you've sort of popped to the top of the uh of the the listed candidates in a in a wide ranging field, 
how do you think things are going? Well, if you believe the polls are going great. Um, and uh, I don't always believe the polls. I guess we can't uh, after seeing some of the results of the last election. But, uh, you know, things seem to be we, we were getting great, uh, you know, on the ground evidence that uh, the people know what, what we're doing. I, I, you know, I can tell you, I, I drink uh, Diet Mountain Dew. So, uh, so we stop at a lot of gas stations and, and uh, when we're f- refueling because we're, we're riding across the state every day. Uh, the last three times I tried to buy Mountain Dew, they wouldn't let me pay for it. Oh, and that's really? Well, that's pretty shocking. Yeah, they just said, your money's no good here. And, uh, you know, people will come up on the street. Uh, we've had volunteers chase chase down our RV and say, hey, we want to work for you. So we're, uh, we've done a pretty good job of spreading the word. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it, it's got to feel a little bit different this time around. You've got a higher name ID. Your campaign has certainly hit that ground running. You've had, you know, ads out there. And and again, it, people kind of know who you are a little bit more this time because you, you ran in 2018 for the first time in any political office. You basically just took yes. completely uh, flat footed and, and ran right into the biggest race you could find. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, I guess I was frustrated and frustrated by the fact that Sherrod Brown uh, represents the state of Ohio. He's about as ideologically different uh, from this state as anybody you could imagine. And, you know, he's, he's a guy, it's a nice guy and, and people really don't dig into what he actually believes. And I found he, you know, he's seeking this socialist utopia out there and uh, has no idea. In fact, that's what really precipitated my run the last time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I never thought I'd run for office and, um, you know, and I can I can tell you what led up to it, but having a meeting with Sherrod Brown and sitting there listening to to him for forty minutes—that's what it'll push do it me to over anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, I've I've been a guy throwing stuff at my television set for a long time, but 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 that meeting, it was uh, truly uh, disturbing. You're like, and, uh, I'm running. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't know, and uh, we did pretty well considering, uh, and and we had, uh, you know, we had the state Republican Party, you know, absolutely against me, so it, we still won 38 counties and 32 percent of the vote, and uh, and you know, and I thought that would give me a leg up this time. Again, I didn't think I would ever run again, and and then Rob Portman stepped out, and it really kind of troubled me the people that were lining up to run. Uh, you know, we have a, a state party chair that uh, uh, may have one of the thinnest resumes I've ever seen, and uh, and using a paid position to 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 help elect Donald Trump because she was paid doing it. Um, you know, to, to say that you know I'm the one that delivered the state for Trump, but it just it it frankly I just couldn't stand it. And, uh, and so I jumped in. I thought, well, I got a leg up. Well, I started out with 2% name recognition. So they quickly forget. <laughs> it doesn't hold over time, does it? Not, not no, as it doesn't. I think it would. No, it but it's, no, there's a few people. But you've got, so now it's a wide, it's a wide ranging field. You're clearly in the thick of it now, but I want to back up a little bit and sort of bring the lens out. 
and talk a little bit about why you decided to do this in the first place and what kind of like, cause you're a business guy, right? Successful business right. guy. Uh, basically you're, as you said, your interactions with politics up to 2018, we're, we're yelling at the TV, like all of us. Um, but all of a sudden something, something flips. So, so tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to this spot. Uh, well, you know, I, I grew up, uh, in, actually, I was born in inner city Cleveland uh, on the top of a double. And uh, when we made it big, we uh, moved to a suburb called Parm, Ohio. And Parm, Ohio is uh, a working class suburb of Cleveland. It was the brunt of a lot of uh, jokes back in uh, back in my day. I, you know, they talk about Parma people wore white socks and they had flamingos. On, they had flamingos on their lawns, and, and you know it was. But it was a great place to grow up. It was, you know, my neighborhood was made up of firemen and policemen and factory workers. And my dad was a high school teacher and a wrestling coach. Yeah. And he was a he was a great wrestling coach. He's still the winningest wrestling coach in Ohio history. But he, uh, but he was a great athlete, very much like Jim Jordan. He's a member of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, was an All-American NCAA champion. And he was a pretty well-known guy, you know. And, uh, and, and But our family is about sports. And my dad, we had four kids. My dad always had to have two full-time jobs. And, uh, you know, I watched this man struggle to, to meet his family's needs. Uh, he's the best man I've ever known. And... Uh, and, you know, I think he taught me a lot about personal responsibility and integrity and character. And, and I, you know, was very lucky. I, uh, you know, I was pretty academic as a kid and I was required to play three sports, uh, you know, every season was taken up and, you know, but the entire time I dad knew my dad, doing sure that, right. Dad, that was <laughs> in the books forever. <laughs> well, well, you know, my, I think he was a little suspicious of me and, uh, and it was kind of like, hey, Mike, uh, you know, you got your report card, but what happened at practice? Yeah. <laughs> was, I love that it. That was kind of his attitude. He was just a terrific guy. And uh, I didn't follow the path he, he exactly wanted me to. I was kind of a marginal D1 football player and got some D1 offers and, and ultimately after studying the situation, recognizing I probably wasn't going to play in the NFL. Um, that, uh, and, and the thing was we had such substantial need that I could go anywhere, uh, because even the D three schools would, would, you know, make stretch to give you a full ride mm. if, uh, cause I academically qualified. So that was easy. And, and, uh, ended up playing D three football and it became a big part, you know, of my interest in, in, in college. You know, I, I, I did pretty well academically, but, uh, uh, but I went to a, you know I went to a very academic college that was where academics were certainly better than the, the athletic programs. But I enjoyed it, and in fact, if you've seen any of our commercials, we kind of use football as a metaphor. I coach my kids. You know, my whole family is uh, is loaded with football players that played at a lot higher, frankly, a lot higher level than I did. I have a brother-in-law that started. Uh, starting middle linebacker at Ohio State. My daughter married a Cleveland Brown. Um, <laughs> Man, you know, that's stacked my, the Thanksgiving <laughs> games. You got to be a little, little rough with that crew. <laughs> well, it, it, our Thanksgivings were interesting because my dad was, as I said, an All-American, multiple All-American from Michigan State. Um, my daughter's husband graduated from the University of Michigan. 
And in fact, my grandson's godfather is Tom Brady. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I didn't know that. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and who, by the way, is a great guy. And uh, my 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 sister's uh, husband went to Ohio State and was a starting middle linebacker there. I mean, so, so, so Mike, yeah. I'm starting to. I'm start, what's coming into view here is is exactly why it is that you didn't go anywhere when Mandel steps up. It looks like <laughs> yeah, he was. Well, actually, my wife was in the second row, going, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it!" <laughs> she she has, was more afraid of you. Seen me in that situation before, and. Uh, <laughs> And she, afterwards, she she walked. We walk. We're walking out of the out of the event, and she says, "She says, Michael, I think you've finally grown up." <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the best compliment you can get from your wife ever. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I was I was very lucky to get that comment. But uh, but you know, I, I I care about this country, you know, and I uh, in, in what really. You know, I, I talked about Sherrod Brown, and yeah, that pushed me over the edge. But but I was already kind of on a mission before that. Probably more, how can I serve the country in some way? And I didn't really consider going into a, you know some kind of an electoral race. Mm -hmm. But my, I have five kids, and uh, they're all very successful. I've been very blessed. And and my second youngest son, uh, who. You know, also played at my high school. Uh, in fact, all my all my boys uh, played at uh, at my high school, and, uh, and and we're all very proud of of that school. It's it's a Jesuit school in Cleveland called Saint Ignatius. Four national championships. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard of it. And uh, so I get a lot of grief about that too, because I have a RV that's blue and gold, and you do not want to drive around Ohio. With anything in blue and gold, unless you explain why you're doing it, and, uh, it better have a written explanation on the. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, the first thing I announce is, listen, I've got a bus outside, and it's blue and gold. It has nothing to do with the University of Michigan. It's it's <laughs> Saint Ignatius High School colors. My, I bleed blue and gold. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but my uh, my son gra graduated from Georgia Tech with a degree in aerospace engineering. He joined the U.S. Navy. He's now a Navy pilot. So, so you, yeah. what, I'm what I'm gathering here is that y your life has sort of been fulfilled beyond your wildest dreams in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and so now you have some room to do sort of, yes. I think is, is, is in the best interest of not only your family, your state, but, but your country and beyond. And, and that's sort of the on-ramp that's, that's put you on this path. It was. And, you know, my, my wife and I visited my son in Pensacola and I walked out and I said, Diane, uh, you know, look where we are compared to where we started. Yeah. And and, you know, and I was able to help my parents as they got older and my my family because, you know, they're they're not as uh, financially lucky as I've been. And, uh, and and I think that's the obligation of, of, of Americans to, to to make sure their family's OK. And and. I said, Diane, you know, look where we started and look where we are. But for this great country we live in, I, we could have never been there. I've got to do something. And she's like, OK, calm down. Mike. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I so I went and interviewed in the Trump administration. I had been in this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. Also, in 2016, I uh, was the state uh, finance co-chair for Donald Trump in, in the state. And. 
and I had met a number of people. Time, that's the first time you ever jumped into an, an election, certainly a presidential. Yes. That's, that's, yeah, well, I, I had supported Republican candidates. And, you know, when I didn't have a lot of money, I'd, you know, give a little bit. And, yep. and as I as I was more successful, I'd increase my donations. And so, you're all so I'd become political, a, sort, of, sort of political, at least politically interested. And then, yes, I was. All, well, I majored. I majored in economics and in political science in in, uh, in college. And I went to a school where you know virtually every course. I don't care if you're taking psychology or or whatever. You started with Plato, <laughs> and uh, so I had been well steeped in political philosophy. And it kind of became, you know, you graduate from college and and you kind of got through. And I, as I said, I did pretty well. But you know, I really it became. Uh, kind of a hobby. Mm-hmm. So I was, and I was very concerned about America and in the direction we were going. I, uh, you know, and, and, and I went to a school that's probably considered a bastion of liberalism, but I never had other than one professor. I never had a, a, a liberal. Mm. And so I, I read, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Friedrich von Hayek and the yeah. Austrian school, but I read a book called constitutional Liberty and I knew I was a conservative and, and I, you know, built on that in, you know, intellectually, my whole, my whole adult life. And, and it was I'm very troubled by where this country's going. I mean, we were literally have kind of rebaked Marxism being adopted by, you know, a good part of the country. And it, it's very concerning. And, uh, and so I went and interviewed in the Trump administration and, and I, I found that somebody with his, uh, you know, a business life as complex as mine, that it was almost impossible to get through a Senate confirmation hearing without, you know, really hurting my partners. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, we started an investment banking firm. It's one of the better known middle market firms in America, one of the larger middle market firms in America. And they want me to change the name of the firm. I've spent 30 years making that firm one of the best known firms in the country. I couldn't do it to my partners. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, any asset that you have that, you know, that, Oh, it's a brutal process. I mean, it, it, it was terrible. I just couldn't do it. I, and I want, you know, I wanted a job. I wanted to be deputy secretary of commerce. Uh, I went down that route, uh, you know, considerably. And, and then, um, and, and finally I just told Wilbur Ross, I, I, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had the meeting with Sherrod Brown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, really within weeks of t- me telling him I couldn't do, couldn't do the job couldn't get through the Senate confirmation hearing. And it wasn't because I had anything that was, you know, illegal or, or questionable. No, it was he just, just didn't because, like it successful, right? Well, the connection, uh, you know, you have to sell everything that has, you know, we have a lot of assets and, mm-hmm. and anything that had a Fannie Mae mortgage, I had to sell it, you know, and it would have destroyed my partners and investors that would, that, that, you know, were, were so important to me, you know, g- getting what I've done built to where it is. So, uh, so that, you know, it, 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 I'm doing this, it came from my heart, not my mind, because if I would have thought it through and <laughs> recognized what I was going to go through, I'm not sure I would have done it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a long, it's a tale as old as time, <laughs> especially when you're, when you're at this uh, particular juncture in an election, which is, you know, where it's heating up. And uh, so that's where I want to, I want to go next. So, so you've done all of this, you've gotten into your campaign. Um, things are going pretty well by the ways of, of, of polls. You're out talking to people, as you said, every day. What do you think yes. is the biggest issue 
that's going to win you this campaign is right now? Well, I think, you know, because I'm not a politician and I'm running against, in fact, he just introduced a new commercial against me where I said that, that this is one particular candidate that's usually number two in, in most of the polls. And he's an ex-Marine. Now, and, and you saw that bit of an argument we had. I, I, I think the whole country is a little, a little bit aware of that well, particular exchange. You know, I'd like to say, you know, in fact, you know, I, uh, I grew up with a sister that's 11 months younger than I was, and she was far better behaved than I was. And every once in a while, she'd slip up, and I'd still get blamed. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and it was, it's kind of like that now. I, I'm embarrassed to have been part of it, and, and it doesn't represent how I behave in normal life. Uh, but when you're standing in front of 650 people and yeah. some guy gets in your face, it looks like he's going to punch you because that's what my wife thought was going to happen, and she knew what would happen if he did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was very pleased that I didn't respond more quickly. But, uh, y- you know, I, I, I just... Uh, uh, I, I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And it was just, I, I've, I've got to go forward and do this, but, but I've got a guy who served in the Marines honorably. And I've thanked him pretty much every time I see him, I thank him for his service because he's very sensitive about it. Mm-hmm. And since he got out of the service, he has not worked one day in the private sector. He has either run for office or held office the entire, his, the entire extent of his life. And he was making claims against my business, things that we did. And I said, Josh, you don't even know what you're talking about. And I know why you don't know what you're talking about, because you never spent one day in the private sector. And that's what precipitated that argument. He got up and he said, you're telling me I didn't work? I served two uh, tours in Iraq. And I said, well, well, you know, I'm not sure what that has to do with what I said. Uh, And and obviously, we're going to counter that argument. But basically, I could say, Josh... Um, I don't like your tie. And he'd go, Mike, I'm a Marine and I served two tours in Iraq and you can't say that to me. And I mean, literally hides behind that. And I think a lot of veterans are just disgusted with it. It's certainly a a spirited exchange, right? And I think it, it actually gave rise to those of us who follow this very closely, but let the rest of the country know how contested this particular election is. And, and, you all been fighting tooth and nail. Um, and so so if you look at just back to my my one question about the issues, when you're talking to voters, what is the issue that resonates the most at this point? You think? Well, I think, you know, there, there's a few. And, you know, and I'll tell you the one that I'm most concerned about. And I think I already alluded to it. Um, this wokeism that is everywhere is very dangerous. Uh, and there's so many people that kind of shake their head. They don't really understand what what the wokists are saying, mm-hmm. but generally they want to radically transform America and, you know, divide people by, by identity group and, and class and gender. And, and they want, you know, and, and just as with Karl Marx, there's no end game. The end game is probably civil war. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is the roots are in Marxism. You know, I'm very well aware and most people are that a couple hundred million people died trying to enforce Marxism around the world. And why are we going this route? And uh, they've come up with uh, what I consider to be a complete false narrative about the condition and state of this country, 
Mm-hmm. And, and they seem to be, you know, just doubling down on it every day. And you've had our president get up and, and, and heard him say, you know, this country is systemically racist. And it, and it just isn't. It, it, it isn't at all. Now, yes, there were things in the past that were that, that, uh, that we had nothing to do with that have been changed and for the better. And I'm all for it. Uh, but but this is a, a, a good country. It's it's the greatest country in the history of the world. The luckiest white man, the le- luckiest European immigrant, the luckiest black man in the world lives in this country. Mm-hmm. And not a, and not enough people are reminded of that. Mm-hmm. And you know the freedoms we have and the opportunity we have is is unprecedented in human history. And and I I have a great deal of difficulty even listening to somebody say something. Something other than that. Yeah. Well, I can certainly. So, uh, what what got you off the bench is that's you know. So I, so so that's dangerous, and and we've got to confront this false narrative. But but I think people are concerned about the border. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, that you know there's 750 million people in the world that want to come to this country, and basically Biden said, "Come one, come all," and and, and best I can tell, he's letting them all in. That will trash this this nation. Um, I think inflation is really starting to be an important part of what people are concerned about. You know, I just was at a gas station where a guy walked up to me and he said, I've been a Democrat my whole life. I just paid 120 bucks to fill up my, my uh, truck and you, you've got to fix this. Yeah. Now, Great equalizer. unlike, unlike every other candidate and, and there's a bunch of them running here. I studied economics in undergrad. I studied economics in graduate school. I taught economics, um, you know, Back when when I first started, I could pick up a few bucks teaching uh, teaching courses all over, and I and I it was kind of my second job when I was first starting out. And, and economics was, was something I that I've been you know really studied my whole life. And uh, I can't imagine what goes on when when some of these bills are trying to be passed in light of uh, you know in light of the the inflation that's going on and people just don't have any regard for our deficit and for the incredible increase in the monetary base that we've seen. So, so I, uh, I think I would be, you know, a, a, a firewall against that kind of thing. As you know, Rand Paul endorsed me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you walk in Rand Paul's office in Washington, the first thing you see on his wall of his office is a debt clock. And every second that goes by, the increase, the debt of the United States increased by a million bucks or something, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, pretty. Yeah, he's kept an eye on that, regardless of of who. Yeah, he's there. the guy. Yeah, and, and and I think we've got we've gotten to know each other over the last three years pretty well. We've ridden around the state. He's been on my bus, and and we've talked about these issues. And he needs help. He needs help uh, fighting the fight, and uh, and he knows I'm very willing to do that. And, uh, you know, I think he's he's pretty well having the father he had. He, he's pretty well steeped in economics. Too. Yeah, it seems like he's got a good hand on that. <laughs> Mike, really I, I've got I know you got a busy campaign schedule, but I got three questions. Sure. We ask every single candidate. And these are the, <laughs> these are the these are the ones that everybody pays attention to. Right. Because it's like there's yeah. no wrong answer. There's definitely inauthentic answers and they're very obvious. Right. So. Yeah. So the, the first question is, if you can plan, if you can plan your last meal on Earth, what would it be? Uh, my wife would tell you this, but uh, I'd have a Diet Mountain Dew and a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Just slide it sideways. 
<laughs> well, what, you know, I, I'll tell you, it's it's uh, my favorite food, and uh, and I don't have a lot of them anymore. I I got pretty chunky during the COVID thing, and I've fixed that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, all of us, all of us had a little problem with that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's but, uh, a good answer, though. I mean, it's your favorite food. You why well, screw it up? Yeah, exactly. It's me, and I, you know, and, and and I think what a lot of people recognize, I'm just a regular guy. And I happen to do pretty well. And I love this country. And it, I think it comes through. And, and I think people are tired of career politicians and party insiders. You know, and, and I think that's helped serve me. Here, here's my second question. And I'm going to adjust a little bit because I want, I want a blue sky answer for you, uh, from you. If you didn't take the career path that you did and you had just a wide open view to do it all over again, what do you think you'd do with your life? Well, I know what I'm interested in, and um, and I've had a, a bit of experience at this, uh, and and I've I've loved it when I've been able to do it. I never had the time to really pursue it. I think I'd like to be a NASCAR driver. There you go, there you go. That's a great um, answer. And by the way, well, Ted, Cruz said he should, <laughs> Ted Cruz said he should play in the NBA. So, like, that is a much further <laughs> dream than than actually being a NASCAR driver. Well, I actually, I think I, if I would have pursued that route, I could have been an okay NASCAR driver. I couldn't play in the NBA. I know that, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I, you know, and I have certain, you know, more academic interests that, uh, you know, I, I have thought about this question because our comps person told me it might come up. And originally I said, you know, it's either a NASCAR driver or a biblical archeologist. Oh, she said, go. well, <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm very interested in it. You know, I went, as I said, I went to a Jesuit school. I took classical languages. I've uh, uh, I've always had an interest. I still do a lot of reading when I yeah. don't have to read something that's political. Yeah. And and I, but I think uh, I, I think in ask I've I've ridden, uh, I've I've driven on a number of tracks, and, and and I get an excitement I don't get in any other place when I'm going at high speed. So. Oh, that's great. That's a good answer. All right. So here's a final question. And this one, this is where it gets a little esoteric, but it kind of taps into what motivates you. The way we see it is people are generally motivated by one of two things. And we call it the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. Now, obviously, nobody wants to lose. So that's not that's not what the two poles are. The poles are the sunny optimist charging up the hill is the thrill of victory person, right, where they're just constantly trying to to accomplish something for themselves, for them, for their communities that Whatever the challenge is in front of them, they just want to go get it. The agony of defeat person, every victory that they've ever had in their life lasts about one second. And any defeat that they've ever had, they wear like a backpack for the rest of their lives, vowing never to repeat any sort of setback. Those are the two poles. Mike Gibbons, where do you find yourself? I think I probably fall into the latter group. Um, I remember every football game I lost. I remember every wrestling match I ever lost. I remember every track meet I ever lost. Um, I, I I do carry it around, and I, I think of all the things I should have done differently. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It's allowed me to have a lot of successes because I, I hate the agony of defeat. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, you're a classic agony of defeat guy. Absolutely. Classic. <laughs> I could see it coming a mile away, but it was nice to see it come out. Uh, listen, Mike, uh, tell us for our listeners who want to help you out where they can find you and where they can help out. Yeah, we're at uh, gibbonsforohio.com. And, uh, you know, I, uh, 
if I meet you, I give you my cell phone number. I, I, I love to talk to voters. Uh, you know, that's one of the great things about running for office. We have an incredibly great state. And I've met, I've met people that are going to be friends of mine the rest of my life. And, and uh, win or lose, I've, uh, it's been a great experience for me meeting those people. Yeah. Dealing with the other candidates, I can't say that so much. But, uh, <laughs> well, maybe you'll have to tape up your knuckles next debate. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Listen, Mike Gibbons, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and good luck out there. Well, thanks for having me. You know, I'll just say again, um, you know, I'm from Ohio. Uh, football is a big deal in our state. And this guy, this guy really seems to get, he seems to understand the, what, what your typical uh, Ohio person is interested in. And that is high school and college football. Uh, yeah. Right. It reminds me of almost every Midwestern dad that yeah. I've known. Right. Sitting in front of the TV, like, God damn it, these assholes. I gotta do something about this. I, pre- I appreciate to do it. I appreciate the guys just, uh, freewheeling like like taking shots at people you know he's yeah, just like, yeah no yeah we enjoy that so you know like look we've always provided on the program an ability to do what you want to do yeah right but those who come on and empty the oppo barrel <laughs> <laughs> that's not in a contrived way no i really kind of appreciate you know i mean it's yeah. like no let me tell you why these guys suck oh you got to appreciate it so anyway that's mike gibbons there's going to be a tough race there we've had them all now i think that's all of them that's all of them all 49 yeah 49 candidates candidates i I worry that ashbrook's going to enter the race we're going to have to interview him (laughs) no 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 i feel like ashbrook would be a runaway victor (laughs) uh with his voice alone i know right imagine the debate stage everyone would just be struck (laughs) (laughs) listen to edward r murrow (laughs) all right fellas i think we did it yeah outstanding show absolute banger of an episode if i may say so myself and uh again minions remember vote in the liberal hack bracket it'll it'll be over 3 p.m thursday you're hearing this so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the libs we'll see on tuesday stay ruthless